0: We'd like to give a special thanks to Astro Agency, the executive producers of Space in 60. They provide strategic marketing support exclusively for the space sector. Strategic because their team have all the vast experience working within space companies or setting them up. So they specialize in getting technical messaging and brand positioning just right. As well as having the industry connections to organize podcasts just like this one. And their space bar webinars, which we'd highly recommend for new space networking. Check Astro Agency out on social media. They're in all the usual places.
1: Three, two, one,
0: go. Welcome back to another episode of Space in 60. We've got myself, Clint Gromman. And my buddies, Andrew Palipchuk. Hey. hey. And Chad Baker. Hello, hello. (laughs) And we're looking forward to another great episode today. But we have some pretty exciting news going on in the industry. I hear that next week at... Actually, by the time you hear this episode, it might have already happened. We're going to be seeing a space and media legend, William Shatner... Being shot into space,
2: sent into space. Come on, sent into space. Sorry, (laughs) sent into space.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sent into space. Like I'm a huge William Shatner fan. Watched him my entire life, beginning with the Trouble with Tribbles in in uh, Star Trek. And classic. I think that it's incredibly exciting that he's both American and Canadian, and we have a Canadian on the show. We've got Americans on the show. He's the best of both worlds.
2: He is the shining star. The cowboy, the original space cowboy, I would say. Also in the news today, I saw the Russians are sending, I guess, some TV movie people into space ahead of Tom Cruise. They want to film a movie in space before Tom Cruise does.
3: Yeah, the new space race of Hollywoods, I guess.
2: Exactly.
0: It's really interesting to see what parts of industry that the space industry is starting to affect in with the movie industry that I think they're sending up a qualified astronaut. They're also sending up an actress and a director. So trying to get there before, before the Americans. So was this the
3: key to getting Shatner up on blue origin first? And somebody will have.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I didn't think about that, but maybe that is the thing. Maybe check it off the box. (laughs) Bezos is trying to check two boxes, oldest person in space and the first actor in space. Kids. There we go. Somebody will have a camera, so they'll get you know something on and put it on Prime. Yeah, and this week is also World Space Week. The three of us, me, Andrew, and Chad, we all have daughters. We all want to see them grow up and have all of the same opportunities in space as everyone else. And today, we have a really cool guest in honor of World Space Week and Women in Space, Laura Crabtree from Epsilon 3.
2: Welcome, Laura.
0: I'd like to introduce everyone to Laura Crabtree.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's great to meet you all.
0: Laura, you're here from Epsilon 3.
1: Yes, I am.
0: But there's a lot more story behind your adventures in the space business. We haven't met personally before and When we were lucky enough to get you as a guest on the show, I'll admit the three of us did a little cheat sheet to get to know your your past, but you've worked at some really amazing places and worked on cool missions. And we're just really excited to hear how you got into the space industry and all that you've done.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really long story. It starts with my parents because a long time ago, my dad, he liked two shows. And the shows were Cheers and Star Trek.
0: It's a great combination.
1: (laughs) Yeah, good combination. (laughs) So I wasn't allowed to talk in the show, but we could discuss during the commercials. And obviously, I watched both with him, slightly inappropriate as a seven-year-old watching Cheers. But, you know, I didn't get all the jokes. But watching Star Trek, it really invigorated my desire to learn more about space and we started watching all of the shuttle launches together. And I know, Clint, you were just talking about what got you into space and telling us about the uh, shuttle landing in your hometown. But that was really what got me into this industry was watching the shuttle launches in the late 80s and 90s.
2: Looking at what, what you're doing at Epsilon, which is really neat. You could almost bring those two back together because just thinking about creating digital, I guess, standard operating procedures, Yeah, you could make that into how do you make great drinks for the bar?
1: <laughs> could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, before I
2: got out of the call, I was thinking about, I could really use this, you know, like how do I work, work Salesforce? Like uh, I just, it's tough.
0: I thought you're going to say I could really use a drink but well
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I could use that too while working Salesforce but ultimately if, there's a lot of sales steps. Force. Yes, there's a lot of steps to it.
1: It gets pretty complicated but yeah we're we're helping try to coordinate really complex operations. So if you see in a control room, you have multiple people, many times more than three. Although at SpaceX, for a time, we got down to three and sometimes zero. Everybody was on call, which was really cool. But for a launch or for anything that is really deeply complex, you're going to need leads from multiple different subsystems and probably someone directing the operation. And so how do you coordinate all of that? And you really need a Digital footprint, so that you can make sure that everybody's on the same page, and that's really what we're trying to sort of transform in the industry.
0: You really seem like you're having a lot of fun doing what you're doing. I I was looking at your website, and there's this the profile picture of you working comms. I'm, I'm assuming that's at SpaceX.
1: Yeah, it was.
0: You look so happy, like you just discovered a planet, and that's something that infects all of us in this industry, especially in the new space portion. How passionate we are about the the business and I'd love to hear some more about your your time at SpaceX and what all you did there.
1: Yeah, I mean I I started at SpaceX when it was I want to say about 700 people and most people thought I was crazy because I was leaving Northrop Grumman which was a steady normal aerospace job and very comfortable and you know, you worked 45 hours a week and you got paid extra if you worked overtime. And that just didn't exist at SpaceX. So when I joined the operations group, we were, I want to say eight people. And within operations, there was two managers. There was a manager of, and then other people that were leading up recovery, ground software, and training. So there were like five or six other people. And in total, that was a total of 10. When I started, they said, hey, you know, we've got to train our operations team. I said, okay, where are the manuals? Where's the procedure? What does the <laughs> simulator look like? And they said, yes,
3: have fun. <laughs> 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 they said, go ahead and write it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, my first foray into SpaceX, which was, go figure out what you need to do to make this happen. That was really fun. I joined SpaceX because I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to go and solve a problem that nobody had solved before. The start of my journey there was was a little daunting. I mean, I had already been working for five years at Northrop Grumman, which is enough to be a little bit dangerous, but not enough to be fully set in my ways so that I can't change. So I think that's why we like it, yeah.
0: The three of us have never really gotten past the dangerous point, and that's why we no. always try to work with people so much more confident than ourselves.
3: <laughs> Depends what you consider dangerous. I don't know. It's a uh...
1: My first launch at SpaceX was actually Falcon 9-1. So I tried to count. It was somewhere around 98 launches for the 11 years that I was there. And the first one being that first Falcon 9. So I joined right after the last Falcon 1. And when I joined, we were supposed to be flying Dragon that same year. But we know that was 2009. We know we didn't fly Dragon in 2009. So the fact that we actually got it off the next year was was pretty incredible. So it was a really wild ride. I was in charge of sort of building up the mission control room, figuring out how that would all come at the time, it was a race between who could build the frozen yogurt stand or the mission control room faster. And happy to say, I believe mission control was built the day before the frozen yogurt stand nice. was done. Nice.
3: That's a win. Um, that yeah. is a win.
1: It was a win. And at the time, you know, we didn't have people like we didn't have a huge IT department. So the operations team was unpacking boxes, hooking up cables, putting together all of the monitors and making sure that all the plugs were plugged in properly and then bringing everything kind of up with the comp station and everything. So it was pretty amazing.
2: It goes to speak that frozen yogurt is a pretty complicated operation then. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, they had to build an entire station kind of in the middle of a huge concrete block.
2: It was probably the Ikea desk, right? That kind of held it all up, the Ikea instructions.
1: <laughs> Actually, the Ikea desks are in MISH control, but the frozen yogurt station did not get Ikea desks.
0: By the way, I wish Ikea was your customer. The I-, <laughs> I don't yeah, know if no you ever tried right? to put those things together, but they need Digital checklists. Yeah, yes, please.
1: It would be really nice if they had digital checklists with pictures in line i haven't tried to put ikea furniture together for a while because every time ikea furniture comes into my house i hand everything over to my husband and my children
0: (laughs) yeah the children hand it over to me they uh they don't have time for that
1: my kids actually really like it because they get to build something with dad and i really like that i don't have to do it
3: you just sit back and enjoy
0: One of the things that I noticed from the progression as you've gone through the industry and then now you founded Epsilon 3, part of that, I noticed you guys work not just in the space industry, but a lot of the downstream organizations as well. And when we were getting ready for this and doing our research, and by research, I mean browsing the internet, but as we were doing our, our research you know, we were looking into all of the different industries that you touch with your organization. And basically, any group from the space industry that listens to this podcast could probably benefit from your capabilities. But I also saw mining, I also saw other industries as well that go further downstream and use space tech as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that, because As I talk to more people in the space industry and they see our platform and it's web-based and really easy to get to, they give me more suggestions on people I should talk to. Oh, you should talk to fusion companies. You should talk to aviation companies. What if you use this for general aviation uh, checklists? There are a lot of different ideas that are coming to fruition that People from the space industry have, you know, there are a lot of pilots in the space industry. So people are basically free-flowing ideas about how we could impact other industries as well, which is amazing.
2: Well, it's super nice because thinking about digital cockpit and how aviation's progressed, all that's built into the aircraft now. But again, it's still pretty complicated user interfaces. Like to have an iPad where it's a lot simpler and more intuitive would be so helpful. And would help people just make fewer mistakes.
3: This coming from a pilot, too. If you lean back a couple episodes, you'll realize uh, Andrew used to be a bush pilot.
2: Back in the heyday. Back if in you the had day. your
3: iPad and something to work with you, you, you could be on a different trajectory right now, Andrew.
2: I'm telling you, Salesforce. That's that's <laughs> going to be the plugin that's going to make your, your company just like hockey stick.
1: Maybe. There are still pieces of the aviation world that require paper. And I'm hoping to transform that into digital copies as well. So I'm hoping to get everyone off of paper and off of the use of acronyms. Those are my big things.
0: This is no joke, Laura. I've got a wonderful name I'd love to pass your way. There's a company, I won't mention names here, that we've worked with that still accepts a fax as a way to order from them. So I think they could benefit tremendously from working with you.
1: I don't even know if I would know how to send a fax anymore. I like the companies that accept pictures instead of scanned copies. You have to scan your license or you scan your passport and now you can just take a picture of it.
0: It simplifies life a lot, much more. I've seen too that there are quite a few companies that you have been collaborating with at Epsilon 3 that are they're not small names for sure you've worked with some some major organizations that I've seen that Epsilon 3 is collaborating with and and doing these types of things what kind of work are you guys doing these days
1: We're trying to support a lot of different pieces of the space industry there are launch providers that want to use our services there are satellite providers, and then there are other providers that are performing integration tests or even integration for payload adapters that are wanting to use our system to basically communicate to their customers what they're doing and, and how they're doing it. So, you know, there are a lot of different facets of the industry that see a lot of benefit in what we're doing because you can. Share information a little bit more freely as well. If you don't have to attach everything in an email.
0: Exactly.
2: When you build these systems, are you building the framework for people to put together their own processes, or are you helping them figure out some of the processes themselves too?
1: It's a little bit of both. I obviously have a lot of experience in the industry and, and what works and what doesn't. And so I make a lot of suggestions, but really we allow people to utilize their our system to orchestrate their own because every system has slight nuances to how it operates. And I don't want to basically tell anybody else how their system should work, but I want to help guide them in best practices if they want my help.
2: Absolutely. Best practices is is always something that we're looking for.
0: You said you were on 98 missions or 98 launches with SpaceX. What was the coolest one you were ever a part of and why?
1: That is a really hard question. There are multiple that stand out in my memory, but I think the first one is probably the one that I will never forget. Because it was the day that I realized that we were going to change the course of the industry. And I don't know if everybody was 100% knowing it would work, but I certainly wasn't. And everyone in the control room probably wasn't either. We talked about it before. And we basically said, we've done everything we can. And it's either going to work or it isn't. And we'll see what happens which was kind of a big risk at the time. And we launched Dragon for the first time to two orbits and then splashed down in the ocean. And I had trained the team that was on console and I was sitting recovery. A friend of mine by the name of Paul Tompkins, he and I were sitting uh, dragon and Falcon 9 recovery. So even from the beginning, we were trying to recover Falcon 9. And so I was coordinating with the boat on getting data to understand the trajectory and when it broke up. And so sort of the temperature profile of the reentry of Falcon 9 so that in the future we could then land it, which fast forward many years and we actually did that. But that first one, thinking back it definitely changed my perspective on how fast a build to launch should be it changed my perspective on how many people we would need and everything kind of in between we ran off of one procedure that whole mission start to finish we had one procedure for anomalies which we didn't have really in that mission and then we had the launch team kind of on the other coast mostly but sitting back and watching the team kind of come together and operate this vehicle was something that I won't forget. And afterwards I had trained them and I had done all of these crazy anomalies and a bunch of the operators came up to me afterwards and they said, you know, it felt just like a simulation. And that for me was probably the most impactful thing anybody could have said because it meant that I had done my job properly. So I had prepared them. They were ready. Even if everybody was nervous, they performed as they would have during training. So I was very happy with that.
2: Very, very cool.
0: That's a huge compliment to hear that. So I think the first launch or the first mission or the first satellite or whatever it is in your part of this industry, that first is always something that's, impossible and, and you wouldn't want to forget it, but it makes an impact on you. Yeah. That first event, where do you see yourself going from here? You've already done so many things that none of us will ever get to experience. What's next?
1: It's hard to plan out the future, but I want to make a similar impact with the new space race in that I want to affect change in how people think about their operations in how many people they're required to have or not have in their operation. And I want to make sure that nobody makes mistakes and can cut out a lot of the minutia in their operation. So a lot of the things that are repetitive that nobody ever wants to do, I want to remove that from their need to do it. I want to enable efficiency in the team so that you have one person, two people, zero people even operating the vehicles, and they only come in if something that is completely unplanned and has no recovery plan for it happens. So that's what I want to see in the future. I also want to make sure that we operate our vehicles safely, that space remains a safe place for all of the vehicles that are going up there. As you guys know, and and everybody that's listening probably knows, there are so many launches planned and so many payloads that are going to be put in orbit in the next five years, that we have to ensure that the orbits don't get unsafe based on potential conjunctions or collisions. And so that's something I'm really passionate about as well.
0: What you, you mentioned there about safety, I think really comes to mind as I think about the most recent launch of the Commercial crew with inspiration for. And one of the things that I think won't be lost on any of us that work in the industry is that so many people from the general public are starting to view space now as so routine that the safety's just there, like air transportation. And I'm just wondering what you would, would say to that.
1: I lost a lot of sleep over the Demo 2 crew and their launch. I was consistently checking software, checking change logs, checking with the crew to make sure that they reviewed certain procedures or certain emergency things that they needed to know for a split second. And I worry about it all the time. Safety is something that we will never do enough of for space because it it isn't like an airplane. I mean, you can have a depressurization in an airplane. You can have certain things go wrong and still land an airplane with a spacecraft, you don't get second chances. And so that's something that we need to continually harp on and make sure that we are vigilant.
3: To jump onto that, I saw something to lighten it up a bit there. Yeah, something sorry, I, un- was <laughs> <lie>. <laughs> so
1: I I get a little I get a little serious about those topics. But, but that
3: I mean, that's a serious topic that that's that's out there. And one thing I saw kind of when we were doing our homework and, and reading up on you was one of your proudest moments receiving a call on your cell phone uh, from somebody yes. in orbit. And that's why I just started thinking. I was like, "How cool would that be?" But at the same time, is that one that you see like a? Was the caller ID there, or were you like, does, "Do I let this go to voicemail?" Oh, right. or you... <laughs> no, I... space station. Do I see who is this, this is <laughs> No,
1: it's so. I actually had a dragon is calling phone number when when we were docked or birthed, depending on which dragon you're talking about. We had a dragon is calling phone number. And it said, like, DRAGON, ANSWER NOW, in all caps. If there was a problem and we were on call, we had to answer. And basically, you get called into mission control to make sure that DRAGON was safe. This is uh, different than the call from the space station. Now, when we were training Doug and Bob about their last trip, Doug says to me, Hey, Laura, if you ever get a call from a random Houston number or a blocked number while I'm on the space station, make sure you answer it. And I said, okay, I will. I was actually walking with my family on a, I think it was like a Saturday. It was on the weekend. I don't remember if it was Saturday or Sunday, but I was walking with a stroller and my kids are being kids. They're three and five, or I don't remember exactly what age is, but young such that they would whine a lot. (laughs) They were whining and my husband and I with the family, you know, taking a stroll down to the beach And I answer the phone and Doug says, Hey, Laura, how's it going? And I said, like, I thought it was a joke at first, but then I like held back from my walk with the family and my husband looks at me like, what are you, what are you doing? And I said, just keep going. Leave me alone. Basically mouthing it without yelling. And so then uh, Doug and I just had a bit of a conversation about how things were going and, and everything and i told my husband later like this is what happened and he got he got it but uh, at the time it was like why are you ditching us for a phone call on the weekend
0: ditching us an astronaut me
1: again.
2: alone it was <laughs> yeah. the verizon guy can you hear me now,
1: can hear
2: now? <laughs> yeah i really needed that extended warranty just keep <laughs> <Right>. going <laughs> right.
1: I received other other calls that were more like on the technical side, but this one was like a personal, just, I want to say hi, see how things are going, talking about our kids and, and school because he has a, a son as well. And just like how things were going on earth and how things were going in space. And I mean, that was like pretty cool.
3: So cool. Cause it's like one of the early personal phone calls from orbit to someone just to check in.
1: Yep. I mean, clearly it happens with significant others and what have you. We were training uh, Megan MacArthur, Binkin, and Bob was on the space station. She would look at her phone in the middle of training and say, OK, Laura, I've got to take a minute, go talk with Bob and then come back.
0: That's just an amazing experience that many of us, probably most of us will never, ever get. And I'm envious for sure. So Laura, you've been incredibly generous with your time today. We've loved having you on the show, but I would like to have one more question before we let you go. What do you think the most exciting thing happening in the industry today is?
1: Oh, man. Can I say everything? My answer would be that there is so much innovation occurring just around space. That is actually getting the general public more excited about what's happening, both on the earth observation and the exploration standpoint. So I guess the thing that's most exciting to me is that hopefully every household will know what's happening in space in the next 10 years.
0: Wow. That's a great goal. If we can get the general public bought in to how space affects us all here on earth on a daily basis i think that's a that's a win for the industry and it's a win for everyone even if they don't know what's happening in the background
1: i want people obviously to be routinely going to space i want more science done in space obviously there's a lot happening in manufacturing and earth observation in GPS, in SAR technology. There's just a huge laundry list of things that are happening that are really exciting. But I think the obviously the most exciting thing is just the excitement from the general public is kind of building right now.
0: I'd call it kind of the roaring 20s of the space industry. It's just an amazing time.
1: Yeah. And it's going to be really cool to see what happens in the next 10 years.
0: Laura, it's been great having you on the show. I'm glad that Chad and Andrew behaved themselves for you. This was a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) It was very fun. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll talk to you next time.
2: Well, that was a great episode with Laura.
0: Yeah, Laura, she's done a lot in the industry. And who would have thought that you can make standard operating procedures so interesting. But I was really impressed with all the different work that she's done, a part of, what, 98 missions with SpaceX?
2: Hey, don't change the subject. Checklists are cool.
0: (laughs) That's the Bush pilot. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Exactly. The Bush pilot
3: and somebody who has a problem with Salesforce, I think. I don't know. There there seems to be some pent-up
2: hostility there. Um, Maybe just a little, but I, I really think... We could use some of that magic for Salesforce.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But you know, I think to go back to your your comment about checklists for a bush pilot, the checklist is awesome because it always begins with "Here, hold my beer." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, or this is how you grill the Philly cheesesteak on the engine.
0: Oh yeah, that was a blast. It was real, <laughs> but yeah, Laura has done so many things all throughout the industry and. She's been at Northrop Grumman. She's been at SpaceX. And now she started her own adventure slash venture with Epsilon 3, working all throughout the industry. And and like I said, in the, the interview, the companies they're working with are not small names. She's actually pulled in some pretty significant partners.
2: It's stuff that people use every day. It's stuff that just makes the world run.
0: And I love the way she's gone from Focused just on the space industry and the upstream market to providing those same capabilities downstream as well with mining. And what was the other one, Andrew?
2: Aviation. Aviation. Uh, I saw fusion and nuclear reactors. Uh what else we had on that list? I mean, just like I said, checklists are awesome. Checklists are awesome.
3: The new tagline of our Canadian.
0: When you do that kind of work and you get to do something as unique as receiving a phone call from space. That's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. Then you know you've hit another level at that point. A phone call from space or perhaps uh, driving the Falcon 9 back down onto the barge.
3: So, you know, you make an interesting point there, driving the Falcon 9 and then driving satellites with one of our other previous.
2: That's what I was thinking. We forgot to ask her. Is there a joystick in that control room or not? Yeah,
0: just in case. I think we're privileged to have someone like Laura be on the show. That was a lot of fun. And I'm really looking forward to the next episode. Stay tuned, tune in again, come back and see us.
2: Maybe just come back and listen to us since we're a podcast.
0: Just come back. (laughs) Come back. Please, please come back. (laughs) All right. See you next time, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Space in 60. Stay tuned as we explore new journeys into space with our upcoming guests and talk about the evolution of the industry. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. And we would love your input and feedback. So send us your comments and questions and we'll try to feature them in the future podcast. We'll catch you on the next episode of Space in 60, where New Space Speaks.